Dating as a Christian single can be difficult and challenging. In this podcast, I'll be talking about my recent experience with online dating. The podcast will have four parts. I hope you enjoy it. Dating as a Christian single, bring in the clowns. Dating can be a circus. Dating as a Christian single can be even worse. I swear I hear the ringmaster standing on his box yelling, bring in the clowns. I'm enduring the rigors of online dating because I feel God is a person for me. But I feel I shouldn't sit around waiting for FedEx to deliver him to my front door. I mean, what if I wasn't home? They'd have to leave one of those slips. So I'm spending time doing activities I enjoy, volunteering, and online dating. In my experience, God usually requires some effort on my part as far as my dreams and goals are concerned. Thus, I settled on the manufactured enterprise known as online dating. Like processed foods and manufactured housing, why not love? Trying to find someone you mesh with is like putting together a one million piece puzzle and hoping the lone piece you blindly draw from the pile fits with your personality nooks and crannies. Consequently, I sometimes wish God would beam down my soulmate straight into my church like Star Trek, but alas, God doesn't seem to work this way. At times, finding my person seems an impossible task, but I press on and hold on to the prayer that the guy I marry adds more to my life instead of subtracts from it. After all, I've been with Mr. Subtraction before. (laughs) In fact, I've dated Mr. Subtraction, Mr. Division, Mr. Negative Number, Believe me, the list goes on. Therefore, I'm trying the online world of love. I'm signed up and involved. I registered for the circus. The results of dating as a Christian single? Well, my biggest surprise has been that never in my formative years did I think being able to spell, along with capitalization and punctuation, would be part of my dating criteria. How can I expect to find someone worthy of my heart when people can't hit the spell check button? Realistically, though, I'm struggling to find someone with whom I share some of the same priorities. And here's the thing. My number one priority is my relationship with Jesus. In other words, it's important to me to be able to share my faith with my future spouse because God plays such a pivotal role in my life. I've received a variety of replies from would-be online Casanovas when I ask about God. Here are a few. 1. I'm spiritual but not religious. This response used to cause me to probe further. For instance, do you have an active, growing relationship with God? Do you have a faith support group? Or something conversational along those lines. Most often, this phrase seems to mean they are neither spiritual nor religious, at least in my experience. Two, I have a strong relationship with God, but don't go to church. Similarly, I was open to this idea when one fella sent this message my way. I don't want to assume everyone's faith life looks the same as mine. Hence, my response was something like, so what do you do to grow your faith? He responded, quote, basically nothing, unquote. Okay then. And three, crickets. A lot of times I don't hear from people again after I ask about God. I'm upfront about how important my relationship with God is to avoid any contention down the road. Truthfully, I never want the awesomeness of my personal relationship with God to be viewed negatively in my future marriage. In fact, I desire for my heart and soul to be valued and not simply tolerated. 2 Corinthians 6.14 reads, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So taking this all into consideration, how should I categorize myself? Single white female? Nah. 
too race biased, too generic. Christian single female. Now, this has the potential of displaying me as a millennial. Christian single adult woman. That's it. The letters are C-S-A-W, Seesaw, which describes my dating life to a T. My self-proclaimed moniker. Perfect. I'm officially a member of this circus. The second part is entitled, Old Fashioned Dating, Bring Back the Soda Fountains. I believe in old-fashioned dating. I know, I know, so antiquated. During my 20s, I was a feminist. I still am, but in a different way. And I didn't want any man to do anything for me. I'm a big girl. However, over time, I realized that gender roles aren't necessarily negative if the proper level of respect exists. Now, I enjoy being the girl, or woman rather. I appreciate the strength and protection men have to offer. In fact, I seek it. Not because I can't handle life on my own, the opposite is true. But there's something nice about having someone look out for you. I wish I could bring back the days of soda fountains and old-fashioned dating. Let me ask you something. Are providing and protecting still real concepts in relationships? Or is this old-fashioned dating? Maybe it's just the men I run into, or maybe it's men participating in online dating. But on the whole, and I'm just being truthful here, the men I encounter are wishy-washy. Whatever happened to boldly pursuing what you want? When did it become the woman's responsibility to handle courting? Courting, I'm such a geek. I told you I like old-fashioned dating. Now, I live in the same technologically savvy, modern era as everyone else. Thus, I may be all alone and longing for the days of the soda fountain. I repeatedly ask myself, am I crazy? Should I expect Christian men to be strong in their thoughts and actions? Do I set the bar too high? I've been told that I do. Amos 3.3 reads, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Based on that verse in Amos, my job is to be in agreement with moving forward. But, and this is a big but, I've dated several men who waited on me before making any decisions or progress in our relationship. They waited for me to be the leader. Is this normal, acceptable, reasonable? Let me give you a basic example. Instead of asking for my phone number, men will commonly give me their number and instruct me to text them. My old-fashioned dating mindset is taken aback by this approach. Is it too much for a man to ask for my phone number and then make the first communication? Here's my take, and you may think I'm horrible for this, but asking a woman for a number and calling her versus giving her your number and expecting her to pursue you is like the difference between a lion and a Venus flytrap. No lion sits and waits for the antelope to run in his direction. Be the lion. Other examples? One, men will email or text endlessly, never stepping forward into the next phase of actually meeting or speaking, seemingly waiting for me to do it. Or two, men continue to date me for months, never discussing the direction of the relationship until I bring it up for discussion. Dating is difficult. Maybe there's a rule book I'm not aware of? As I sit here and write, it occurs to me that my lack of answers may be why I'm still single. Even so, I'll stick to old-fashioned dating. After all, I want a lion. At least my foster cat Larry seems to find my company (laughs) indispensable. The third part is entitled, Bring It On, Is Dating a Competition? There's a weird competition thing in online dating which I don't quite understand. 
Repeatedly, I am asked the same questions by suitors. It goes like this. How has your online dating experience been? Followed by, how long have you been on the site? Furthermore, many guys continually ask this over and over again until I answer. Is dating a competition? Before learning anything, and I mean anything about me, men quiz me on my online dating statistics. Are numbers a thing? Is dating a competition? I understand the importance of talking about prior partner relationships once you reach a certain stage, but I don't see the value in discussing dating statistics. How is my length of time on the website valuable information? Why wouldn't someone want to know more about my personality? I mean, I'm fabulous. What are they looking for? I hate to point out the obvious to these potential suitors, but clearly I'm still single or I wouldn't have answered their message in the first place. However, I try to respond with grace. In vain is a daily pursuit in vanity. Is there something I'm missing? What is the relevance of the number of emails I receive in a week from prospective partners? Is that valuable information when evaluating me as a potential life mate? I just don't see it. There's so many wonderful and amazing things about me. Pat, pat, pat my own back. Like my love of roller coasters and football, my travel history, accomplishments in running and being a writer. There are also quirky hobbies. I picked up lockpicking after watching a Jason Bourne movie. I'm learning to solve a Rubik's Cube. And I have a never-ending pursuit of learning Spanish, which has been for over a decade with kindergarten fluency. What about learning how I think? What I enjoy and my best and worst experiences in life? But no, those things don't seem to matter to some would-be daters. The most frequent question I get, how have things been going for you on here? Not that well, folks. Not that well. Is dating a competition? Hebrews 10.24 reads, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So I press on. I mean, quote, keep going, unquote, is what I do best. I'm an endurance athlete, for crying out loud. My 100-miler belt buckle sits over there on my shelf in its shadow box. I swear my tombstone will read, K.A. Wipage, she got it done. So, I swallow the tepid water and put my best foot forward. Things on here have been fine. Do you like to travel? 